Uh, in case you've not, uh, you've not been with us this whole time, you're new here, um, our goal in this dating series is not necessarily to get you all dating. And if, you're, if you've been here, I just want to remind you of that. We're not trying to get you all to date. Um, but we are trying to help you uh, examine some of the biblical principles surrounding the topic of dating so that we can have a biblical foundation, a biblical framework for approaching dating when the time comes. Or even if you're not really ready to, uh, to date at the moment, we want to at least give you those perspectives, those biblical perspectives, um, to, to help you think about dating so that hopefully when the time comes for you to be dating, uh, you'd have, uh, you've already had some time to put into practice these things that, um, these godly disciplines that uh, would help you uh, be able to date well. Okay, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to help you date well, date in a way that is uh, honoring to the Lord. And we don't want you to, to be like, oh no, I have my first date like next week. And I got to hurry up and get my life together. Right? That, we don't want that. We want for you to already be practicing uh, uh, these uh, godly disciplines so that you can be found ready when the time comes. Now, that being said, I do want to acknowledge a few things before we launch into our sermon this evening. It's kind of a preamble, if you will. Okay, the first thing I want to acknowledge is that here in this room, and even with those who are listening online or even listening to this sermon at a later date, the people who are here, we have a wide range of experience. Right? For some of you, uh, the thought of dating is terrifying and maybe even just a little bit yucky. Right? You're like, oh, no way. I don't want to do that. Right? There are some of you who've not really dated. Or maybe you've gone on a few dates, but those dates never really went anywhere. Uh, there are some of those uh, some, some of you here who are dating, you're perhaps, uh, some of you here are engaged, and uh, there are some here who have even been married uh, for a while. Now, without a doubt, everyone here, you fall in that spectrum somewhere. Right? You fall in that spectrum somewhere. And some of the things that we will discuss today may or may not directly apply to you or be useful to you, but I, I promise you, it will have some implications for the life that we live together. There are principles that we're going to cover tonight that will uh, in, undoubtedly uh, affect the way that we think about just life together. Now, the second thing that I want to acknowledge is that our series walks a fine line between biblical principles and something called standpoint epistemology. That's the nerdy word for it. But basically, standpoint epistemology refers to what we believe to be true, how we know something to be true. And that, that standard for what is true is not based off of objective facts like what we see in the scriptures, but a lot of times our standard for what is true is our own experience or the experience of others. The reason why I bring this up is because as we talk about dating, right, you see right behind me the, um, the title of, of tonight's uh, topic, right, first dates and etiquette. Right? There are some biblical principles that accompany that, but a lot of things or not a lot, but there are going to be things that I say to this evening that are going to be based off of my own experiences, right? Or even my conversations with other people. And undoubtedly, you all have some thoughts about what dating ought to look like, how etiquette should be uh, from your experiences and from your conversations. And so, because there is that fine line between biblical principle 
in what is objectively true and what is subjectively true because of our experiences, I want to remind us all that we must approach this topic with, with much grace. And we want to be careful to be gracious towards each other. We're going to have differences in philosophy. We're going to have differences in approach. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But we want to remember that we want to be gracious to one another also. Now, biblical principles, biblical wisdom, it can be applied in a variety of different ways, right? And that's why it can sometimes clash. So it would be wise for us all to be humble and to remember that there are some things that are just not universally true when it comes to dating. There's no such thing as a dating expert. There's no such thing as a dating expert because dating is not something you can master. Dating is highly personalized. You think about it. No, dating, no two dating relationships look the same because it's, it's, it's customized to the two individuals who are involved in it. Right? And it better only be two. No polyamory here. Okay. Um, and so, you know, because there is this wide range um, of possibility, of application. That's why we want to make sure that you know, we listen, that we respect one another as we're talking about dating, but that we also uh, try and find some balance between those biblical principles that are objective, that are objectively true, and those things that are perhaps more born out of experience. Now, the final thing that I want to acknowledge before we launch into our sermon this evening is that, um, well, I've already kind of hinted at it, but I just want to make sure that you know I'm going to do my very, very best to, abro- to approach this subjective topic as close to the scriptures as I can, okay, as close as I can. And there are going to be moments where I'm going to move outside the objective word of God, and I'm going to give you my opinion, um, my experiences, and perhaps even some preferences. Now, I want to make sure that you understand this very clearly, that when I do move away from the scriptures, that you don't have to take what I say and abide by it. And I'm not going to look at you and say, why didn't you do what I told you to do? Okay? I'm not going to command you from this pulpit to do certain things. And I understand that as I'm teaching, I'm standing behind the pulpit. Right? And there is power and authority that can sometimes come from speaking from, from the pulpit. And so I just want to remind you of that, that some of the things I say... Um, from behind the pulpit are just my opinion. Okay, so um, just be good Bereans and figure out uh, whether some of these principles or or preferences or or whatnot can be applicable, whether they are God-honoring. Okay, so just just three preliminary things I want to get out of the way. Now, without further ado, we're going to get into our sermon tonight. Um, Our outline for this evening, sorry, the slide is not... um, The slide is not formatted for my notes, but basically we're going to look at three, uh, two stages of first dates, and then we're going, to be, we're going to follow that with just one section, all dedicated to application, okay? So the two sections are, uh, the, the two stages of dating are before the first date and um, the first date, and then that last section is going to be practical suggestions and etiquette, and that one's probably going to be a little more fun. Or cringy, whichever one you want. So uh, before we get into our sermon, let's pray. Father, we are grateful to you for your word and for the impact that it has on our lives. We pray that you would be with us this evening as we uh, talk about something that 
might be a little review, uh, might have a little bit of subjectivity to it, but we pray that we would approach it as, uh, as biblically as we can so that you can be honored in the way that we think about, um, about first dates. Thank you, Father, for this time. It's your sons and we pray. Amen. Okay, so the first thing that we're going to look at, the first stage of dating that we're going to look at is uh, before the first date, okay, before the first date. Now, what are some things that uh, would be wise for us to think about before the first date? Well, the first thing that we want to remember before we even get to the first date is the fact that we are all fellow image bearers. We remember from Pastor Ray's sermon that when we are dating, we should only be dating believers. We don't want to be unequally yoked. And so when we're thinking about who we might take on a date, we're talking about someone who is a genuine, who is hopefully a genuine believer in Jesus Christ. They're our brother or our sister. Genesis 1, 26 to 27 says this, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. We return to this familiar passage because we all need those reminders sometimes that we all bear the image of God. Therefore, we all have inherent dignity. We all have inherent dignity. And that means that before we get to that first date, we remember that we're spiritual family. And as spiritual siblings, we want to evaluate and treat one another with dignity and respect, even if it's hard to love some people. We want to be kind, to be gracious, and to give each other the benefit of the doubt. We want to strive to look beyond what we see on the surface so that we can appreciate the individuals that God created each and every one of us to be. The reason why I start off with this is because it's easy, isn't it? Before the first date, as you're looking around, to look at brothers or sisters in almost an objectifying way. But we don't want to do that because these are our brothers and sisters. We want to see beyond surface level. We want to see beyond just the surface. We want to see the heart behind the person that God has placed in front of us. And so if we have this mentality, even before we begin to think about who we might ask out on a date or who we might accept a date from, hopefully we can avoid shallowness Sometimes we kind of joke about that. We're like, oh, yeah, I'm not really that shallow of a person, but I really am. All right? We joke about that sometimes. And what I want to remind you is we ought to be looking for more than just those shallow things. Sure, some of those things might be important to us, but we really want to know and respect the person who was before us. We want to have an appreciation for the, the, the church family that God has given us rather than wishing that our church family would look like someone else's church family right? or a church family that we've been to before or that we've experienced before. Right? It's easy for us to think, 
man, I wish that you, I wish that SFBC was more like this other church, or that the individuals here at this church would be more, uh, would be more like individuals at another church. It's easy to do that, but what we fail to do is we fail to recognize God's sovereignty in putting us in this church to begin with. And we want to appreciate who's in front of us and love them for who they are rather than wishing that they were something else or someone else. Okay, secondly, we want to remember the importance of godly character, both in ourselves and in someone we might want to pursue. Now, I understand. Okay, I understand that physical attraction and emotional bonds are important factors in considering whether men and women would consider going on dates with one another. But we must not forget the great worth of godly character, right? And how that great worth of godly character surpasses all of those other factors. Now, I do risk stealing some of Pastor Ray's thunder uh, for later on in the series, but there's really no way that I can talk about the time before you do a first date without talking about the character of individuals, about talking about godly character. Right, so what are some of the qualities that we want to see uh, in a man who uh, is ready to date? Well, a lot of the qualities of a godly man are similar to that of, a go- of, a, of an elder, a godly elder. And I'm not going to go into great detail here because I'm sure Pastor Ray is going to cover more of this, but I want to throw this all uh, out here so that you can begin to think about it. Uh, there's a lot of passages that we could think about, but let's look at Titus 1, 7 to 9. Titus 1, 7 to 9. I didn't put a slide in there for it, so you're going to have to use your old-fashioned Bibles. Okay, Titus 1. Seven to nine. It says here, for the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious, not fond of sordid gain, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, self-controlled. Holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching, so that he will be able to, uh, so that he will be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. In addition to those qualities that Paul lists out, we skip down to Titus two two. I do have slides for that. So Titus two two. Okay, it says uh, older men are to be temperate dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love, in perseverance. Skipping down to verses 6 to 8, also have slides for that. Likewise, urge the young men to be sensible. In all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity in doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach, so that the opponent will be put to shame, having nothing bad to say about us. It's quite a list, isn't it, men? It's quite a list. I'm not saying, gentlemen, that you have to exhibit all of these traits of a godly man right away. Okay? Nor am I saying that you have to be exceptionally mature before you can even think about asking a girl out. But if you desire to date, and Lord willing, even marry a godly woman, you have to be a godly man yourself. Right? You should be a godly man yourself. 
Of course, there are exceptions to the rule when we look at you know, people uh, in the church, not just this church, but other churches. Right? There are exceptions to the rule. But if you want to marry wisely, if you want to marry well, if you want to date wisely, if you want to date well, if you want to honor God in all these things, or you must strive to be in the process of being as godly as you can. You want to be as godly as you, uh, as you can. You want to be actively growing in your love for God and in your love for people. Because if you cannot, if you cannot even discipline yourself now, to follow after God in your own life when all you are responsible for is yourself. How will you lead when you're in a dating relationship? Are you just automatically just going to pick it up just because the girl's in the picture? Should you do it just because a girl is in the picture? These are some things that we ought to think about. Now, I know some of you are working, and it might be hard to find the time. But this is what discipline is about, right? We discipline ourselves for the sake of godliness. Not for the sake of, well, if I discipline myself, maybe God will grant me my wish of getting married, and then I can get married, and then, and then I can go on with the rest of my life. Right? No, it's not that. Right? But we discipline ourselves for the sake of godliness because we love God first and foremost. And that should then influence the way that we are able to love our church family and maybe one day that special lady. Okay? Now, ladies, the picture uh, that Scripture gives to, to you is that you are also to be uh, a godly woman as well. Right? Peter writes in 1 Peter 3, uh, 1 to 6. Okay, 1 Peter 3, verse 1 to 6. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands. So that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also, who hoped in God, used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. We could have also looked at Proverbs 31 and Titus 2. Uh, but what Peter does here is he reminds women that some of the most important qualities in a godly woman is not what's evident externally, but what is in the heart. And that's what we see here in this passage. Now, I know that as I read this passage, some of you probably are a little uncomfortable, perhaps even a little triggered by that word submissive. Okay, But let me tease you a little bit here. I'm not going to go deep into it, but let me tease you a bit here and to, to remind you here that when Peter is talking about, uh, about submission to husbands, He's not saying that ladies are in any way inferior to men, spiritually. But he's focusing on how, how their godly character plays out and how it accepts the role that he gives that's rooted in creation. And the scriptures affirm that this is not talking about 
uh, inferiority in Galatians 3, 27 to 28. Because women are spiritually equal to men, but we just have different roles or with different responsibilities. Now, we're leaking a little too much into marriage descriptors for a sermon on uh, first dates. Um, but just as a clarification, in case you get the wrong idea, ladies, you do not have to submit to your dates. Okay? Let me make that very clear. You do not have to submit to your dates, uh, or even your boyfriends, for that matter, because they are not your husbands. Right? They are not your husbands. And until you get married, the man who is supposed to be responsible for leading you spiritually is usually your father. Right? But, um, but you know, if it's, if it's not uh, your, if, if your father is not a believer, then it would be like, the closest thing to it, your spiritual father. He's the one who's leading you spiritually. But my goal here in looking at 1 Peter 3 is to remind you, again, of the importance of the holiness that is in the heart. Okay, the holiness that is in the heart. That is what you put on, right? The righteousness that you put on, that is what makes you beautiful. Right? That's what makes you beautiful. Now, just like with our brothers, I'm not saying, sisters, that you have to figure out everything spiritually before you are ready to date. You don't have to be uh, an exemplary Proverbs 31 woman before you can even think about it. Right? But hopefully you do have a relationship with the Lord that goes beyond a superficial walk with God. And that you are continually growing in your love for God and your love for God's people. Right? Very similar concepts, right? Love God, love people, that applies to all of us, men and women alike. We are all works in progress, and we must remember to keep pressing on towards Christ. Right? We don't let up on our pursuit of Jesus. So as we do that, right, we want to make sure that we're gracious in our evaluation of one another, and we want to spur each other on towards Christ. Right? That's, that's really what we do. Uh, if you look at Hebrews 10, 23 to 25, um, there's, a, there's a slide for that. Right? I'm not going to read the whole thing, but that's what we do, right? That's why we gather as the church, to spur one another on towards love and good deeds, right? Even when you're in, uh, on, your, um, on your first dates, right? This is what we're trying to do as we get to know the other person, right? We want to understand where God, you know, where God has led the, the person who, uh, who is sitting across from us. We want to understand what he's been doing in their lives. We want to rejoice with him with the things that God's been doing, and, um, and we want to be valuing that godly character that's hopefully there. So please be careful of undervaluing godly character in yourself and in someone else that you might consider dating. Now, if you're here this evening and you do take a good look at yourself and you do realize that your walk with God is really surface level, you don't really value personal time with him. Right? Uh, if I were to ask you when the last time you read your Bible or how consistent you are in reading your Bible, you're kind of like, well, I read my Bible last week. I even did it twice. Right? If that's kind of where you're at, it's okay. There's grace for that. But don't be satisfied with that either. We don't be satisfied with that either. I mean, when we talk about a vibrant spiritual walk with God, we're talking about 
valuing God enough where you're willing to take the time to spend time with him in prayer. And not just asking for the things that you want him to do for you, but worshiping, reveling in the scriptures and the truths that are found in the scriptures, reveling in who he is or how great he is, how gracious he is, how kind he is. When you're reading, seeing his faithfulness, how he keeps his promise, promises actually, right? year after year after year, thousands of years after he's given them. And not only that, right? not only just reading the truth and bringing it all in, but even personal application of the truth. This is an area where we can all do better, right? me too. A personal application of the truth. Not just reading the Bible and say, cool, that's great, I like that, that's nice, and then just moving on with your day. Right, but thinking about how can I actually apply these principles to my life? Or what are the truths that need to have an immediate impact on the way that I think, the way that I act, the way that I even evaluate the world? Right, these are things that Christians who are walking closely with the Lord will take the time to do. Now, I understand it's busy. And believe me, I understand that it's busy. And I admit that I don't always take the time to do this every single day. Right? But brothers and sisters, we have to strive to do that. Okay? We have to strive to do that. Right? We want to make that time to follow after Christ closely, to really meditate in the truth. Why? Because we love God. Right? And if we love God, we want to get as close to him as possible. Now, life will get in the way, but that doesn't mean that you and just sit back and be like, and, and let everything just pass you by. Right? Pursue after the Lord as hard as you can. Don't just say, well, you know what? I got time. Okay? We want to make sure that we're faithful. So, um, but even as we're faithful, right? Even as we're pursuing hard after God, I am not telling you to put your entire life on hold as you pursue godliness, but you do this as you go about your life, right? That's what we see in Matthew 28, right? As you are going, there's no slide for it. As you are going, right, that's when you're making disciples. That's when you're, you're trying, to, trying to be godly. That's when you're witnessing. Right? That's what we want to do as you're going about your life. Right? You don't just say, you know what? This, this month, I'm going to put everything aside and I'm just going to be godly. No, you do it now as you're going about your life. Okay, as you're going about your life. Now, when you do that, right, the reason why you do that is because of Matthew 22, 36 to 40. It's because you love God. We see even in Jesus' response to this question from, from, uh, from, from this religious leader, or what's the greatest commandment? Or the greatest commandment is that you love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and that you love your neighbor as yourself. This is, the, this is what all of spirituality is all about. And this is what the Christian life is all about, that you love God, you love others, and you do what pleases God. That summarizes all of it. Right? Loving God and loving others is what is the mark of a true follower of God. And so, if you say that you love God, but your actions, your attitudes in regards to God, His Word, and even life together as the church display indifference, then you have a very good reason 
you have a very good reason to take a hard look at your heart and to really ask yourself, do I really love God? Am I really a Christian? Or am I just like the people of Israel who honored God with their lips and with their words, but their hearts were far from him? Do you love God enough where you're willing to make time for him, to push hard to get to know him better? Or is that just something that you do on Fridays and on Sundays and whenever your small group meets? Sorry, I looked at the small group guys here. Whenever your small group meets, If your heart is far from God, don't despair. Don't feel like it's hopeless, but confess your sin to God and figure out how you can truly grow in godliness, right? What are the practical steps that you can take now so that you can be pleasing to God now? Or not later, but now. And as I emphasize the importance of godly character before you start dating, I'm not saying that God's going to prevent you from dating just because you're not godly. Right? Some of you might think that. Right? I asked a bunch of people out, but they keep telling me no. Maybe it's because I'm not godly enough. Right? But then you look at your friend, and you're just like, man, he's not godly at all. But he has no problems getting dates. What's wrong with me? Right? It's not that. It's not that. God's not playing some sort of, uh, some sort of cosmic game with you. You know, you know that this is not, you know, it's not hard and fast like that. It's not formulaic like that. Right? But what I'm trying to say to you guys men and women, is that what matters more than getting ready to get on your first date is your love for God. That's the most important thing. Before we even start thinking about dating, right? That's the most important thing. God cares more about your hearts and how you love him than he does about your preferred method of dating, whether it's dating, courtship, or whatever it is. More of this can be I, I can talk on more on this, but I probably spent too long on here already. So just remember that the most important thing, whether you want to date, you don't want to date, you are dating, you're engaged, whether you're married, the most important thing is that you love God. And that you're striving to put on righteousness and to put off unrighteousness. That's the most important thing, first and foremost. Okay, now. Now we get to the topic that we more want to talk about, right? The first date. Now, I want to acknowledge something to all of you that I'm sure you, some of you are very painfully aware of. Sometimes it is easier for unbelievers to date than it is for believers to date, right? Am I right? right? Sometimes it's easier. Why is it easier? Well, it's easier because, you know, even though character matters for unbelievers, there is a sense in which dating doesn't really have to be serious when you're an unbeliever, right? Do you like me? I lo- oh, you do? I like you. Hey, let's go on a date, right? Or, or whatever, right? You can date for fun as you're trying to find your person. However, we as believers know that dating is not supposed to be just about aimless fun, but it's supposed to have some intentionality behind it as we're trying to see if we want to marry someone. 
And this is not something that stuck-up conservative Christians came up with to, legal, to legalistically force you to do things their way, but is, it is an application of the principle that is found in Hebrews 13.4, which reminds believers, sorry, I didn't put a slide, I didn't put a slide there, Hebrews 13.4, which reminds believers that we are, uh, that, that marriage is to be held in honor among all. And the marriage bed is to be undefiled. For fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Now, obviously, the context of Hebrews 13.4 is talking about the importance of purity. Right? Purity and, and not abusing God's gift of sex and, and, and God's gift of marriage. But we can begin to hold marriage in honor principally by respecting the process by which we get to marriage in our current culture. Now, as I'm sure you know, the Bible doesn't really speak specifically to dating because that's more of a cultural thing. Right? A lot of the marriages that happened in the Bible were arranged, arranged marriages. They weren't necessarily pursued uh, for the choice of love until later. But that doesn't mean that you know, all married couples back in the day were doomed to loveless marriages because their marriages were arranged. Rather, the kind of love that they had for one another, which might not seem necessarily romantic to us, uh, was a love of choice. A, a love of choice. Um, and this is actually very similar to the love that God shows us. In Deuteronomy 7, 7 to 8, we see, um, we see that the love that God has for us is one of choice. He chose to set his love on us. Why? Because he did because he loved us. God chose, not because of anything that Israel did or anything that Israel was, to love them. And because of that, he loved them and he was faithful to them. And this is often something that you actually hear in personalized wedding vows from Christians. You hear your friends who are getting married telling each other, I will choose to love you every day. And so when we talk about the concept of love in dating, it's not necessarily, not necessarily the feelings that you feel, but it's sometimes a choice. I'm going to choose to love you. Okay, I'm going to choose to love you. Now, why do I bring this up, though, in the context of first dates? Well, first, I want to emphasize to you the tremendous freedom and blessing it is for you to have input on who you marry. It might be frustrating to you. I understand that especially when you long to be married but are unable to do anything about your situation currently. But the ability to choose or to have choice in our society today is actually something that we can give thanks to God for since, it's not just, since, since marriage is not just a financial arrangement. Since marriage is not about, hey, well, we need workers on the farm, so we need kids, right? Or uh, elevating your family's place in society, social climbing. Instead, you have the potential to marry someone who may end up being one of your closest friends, if not your best friend. And that's a blessing. Right? We thank God for that. We thank God for that. So that's one reason why I bring up this idea of love, even though we're talking about a first date. Okay? Now, I also bring, you up, bring this up to you because... Um, you know, even, uh, you know, we, we have intentionality going into our first days, and it might seem like overkill. It's like, wow, man, like, why can't we just be more like unbelievers and just, like, have it loose and have it fun? 
right? It might seem like overkill, but because of this freedom that we have to get to know our brothers and our sisters better, we want to consider first dates with some sobriety, even though we do want to have fun too, okay? You do want to have fun. Let me emphasize that too, all right? It's intentional, but it should be fun, okay? Intentional, but it should be fun. First dates, after all, allow for us to grow in our understanding of another Christian and their character. Another Christian and what God has been doing in their lives. And so, you know, we do want to make good impressions. Or we do want to make good impressions, but honestly, good impressions are worthless if they're not a genuine reflection of our hearts and who we really are. Or when you watch TV and you know that a particular character is not who they portray themselves to be, and then you see another person falling for it, your reaction isn't, oh, yes, I want to see this happen, right? You're, no, your reaction's like, no, don't, don't go after this person. They're a jerk, right? And so, you know, we want to put, we want to be ourselves, right? That typical kind of annoying dating advice, right? Just be yourself, right? We want to be ourselves, but that's why you also want to be godly too, so that you don't have to fake it, right? You don't have to fake it. Now, It is a blessing to get to know this person, and we want to make sure that we actually just look at it that way, right? Essentially, you have the opportunity just to have some fellowship, right? And so if we can take the pressure off by thinking about it in terms of fellowship, right, and getting to, to, to really appreciate another brother or another sister, right, that makes first dates actually a little less intimidating. Now, when you go on a first date, something to keep in mind is that there might not always be what some people call a love connection, not right away. And that's okay. And that's okay. If you are ready to declare your love to the other person already, you might not have a healthy and God-honoring love for the other person. Instead, your so-called love or crush might just be better classified as an infatuation or, or even lust. Instead of asking the question, how do I feel when I am with you? Or how do you make me feel Instead of asking that question, our goal on first dates is not to be self-absorbed. Right? Think about that. Okay, don't miss what I just said. When you ask that question, how do you make me feel, who's number one at that situation? Yourself, right? Self-interest, loving myself first, above the other person. Instead of asking those questions, we, what we want to consider, what we want to consider is how has God been working in this person's life? How can I rejoice in, this, in how God has saved this other person to make this person my brother or my sister? How can I rejoice in what they've been learning as they've been doing their devotions, as they've been going through church, as they've been serving. And that's how you really begin to appreciate someone for who they are rather than how they appear or how you make them look in your mind. Because right? we can always project godliness onto someone, can't we? Right? Don't pretend like you've never done it. <laughs> you've definitely done it. Okay? We can all project godliness on somebody. But really, the only thing that we care about is 
Hot or no? Yeah, okay. Yeah, good. We're good to go. Right. But no, right? Character, character, character. Right? Character, character, character. Do they love God? And as you rejoice in what God has been doing in their lives, then you can actually really appreciate this person. And even if it doesn't work out, you can still thank God that it was, uh, it was, a, it was well used. The time was well used. Or that you got to really appreciate someone else who is a fellow believer. And yes, yes, there might be some awkwardness there. There might even be some nerves. But really, if we just think of it in that way, right, that we get to rejoice in someone else's testimony as we're getting to know them, first dates really, um, it just takes the pressure off. First dates are not about coming to the conclusion on that particular day of whether the person who is sitting across from you is the one. And that can be determined after multiple dates. One author put it this way, first dates, sorry, I should have put this on a, on a slide for you. First dates are for exploring the possibility of taking more steps and more dates. Although we plant a seed in the ground in the hope of receiving a flower, we don't dig up the seed from the, from the ground because it does not produce a flower after one day. Makes sense, right? We water it. Allow it to be nourished by the sun and patiently await the harvest. It is okay if it takes some time for you to figure out whether you want to continue to get to know somebody. But it's also okay, on the other flip side, if you have absolutely no desire to continue to get, this, to, get to know this person in an intentional way. Right? It's also okay. Both are okay. And as you approach the possibility of a first date with another person, one of the most important things, I'm going to say this again and again and again, and you're going to be so sick of it. One of the most important things to remember is that the person sitting across from you is, or the person extending the invitation to you is a fellow image bearer, a spiritual sibling in Christ. And while you may or may not have a romantic connection, what governs your relationship with one another is the love of Christ, which is supposed to be evident among all genuine believers in Christ, right? That is supposed to be the thing that governs your relationship with one another. After all, Jesus says in John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, what does that love look like? Well, we turn to that classic passage in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous. Love does not brag, and it is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It is with the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. And it endures all things. This radical kind of love is the love that we are meant to show one another as spiritual siblings, regardless of whether we have romantic feelings towards each other. Right? And this love is made possible because of the love that God first showed us. And it's for this reason that we try to approach first dates with intentionality, yes, but with also grace. God has been incredibly gracious to us in the love that he has shown us. And we want to reflect that in the way that we 
treat each other on that first date. Now, whether it's when you extend the invitation, whether you accept the invitation, or even during the date, right? we want to extend the love of Christ to one another. You don't want to break bonds. You don't want to burn bridges. Extend love, Christ's love, to one another as you appreciate the person that God has put in front of you. Now, another biblical principle that guides our approach to first dates is found in 1 Thessalonians 4. Okay, 1 Thessalonians 4. Verses 3 to 6. Classic passage on purity, but it applies. I'll show you why. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God, and that no man transgress and defraud his brother in the matter, because the Lord is the avenger in all these things, just as we've told you and before and solemnly warned you. Okay, so as we go on our first date, as we strive to show Christ's love to our spiritual siblings, that Christ-like love is accompanied by a desire to honor God's will for us to be holy. And this, this point might seem like, hey, why is it here on first dates, right? Shouldn't this be more applied to dating? Well, you know what? Sometimes, for whatever reason, some of you guys have ideas of what's okay and what's not okay, and, and sometimes you're okay with PDA before, you know, even on the first date. Uh, if you watch, you know, reality TV, you see all sorts of business. Um, anyways, um, right, this point mainly applies to the brothers, but it applies to the sisters too. As we remember that we are to be holy and that we are to honor God in how we interact with one another, we have to remember that not only do we have a spiritual sibling in front of us, but we also have the potential of meeting up with someone who is someone else's future spouse. Okay, as you're on that first date, you are meeting up with someone else, potentially someone else's future spouse, not yours. Right, and as a result, we want to be wise in how we treat those whom we are dating on the first date and even subsequent dates. Like I said, certain people have different convictions on PDA and stuff like that. Some people are okay with a little bit. Some people are like, absolutely not. Right? And, and you know, this is obviously something that you ought to be discussing, probably not on the first date, but if you decide to have subsequent dates, something to, to, to discuss. Uh, but in any case, right, make sure that you treat one another with honor. Right? That, that you do something, uh, that, that you don't do something that um, you'll be ashamed of. And the things that you do with honor, it's not honorable in the sight of the world, but honor, honorable in the sight of God. Right? That's the most important thing. Right? Always keep in mind that the person that you are dating, whether it's the first date or even subsequent dates, are not yours until you marry them. Okay, and so until then, remember that they could potentially end up with someone else and just make sure that you don't defraud another brother or another sister of something that is rightfully theirs in marriage. Okay, now in summary, the biblical principles that guide our understanding of how we approach first dates are to remember that the person that you go on a first date with is a spiritual sibling, that we want to show Christ's love and grace to that spiritual sibling, and we want to treat that spiritual sibling with honor and respect. And as you can see, our love for God impacts our love for others, and it has practical implications on how we treat people, even on first dates. And so may God be honored if and when some of you go on first dates and get to know each other. And if you're not in that 
in that point, right? You're dating, you're engaged, you're already married. Just remember that the principles of loving God has everything to do, it colors everything, uh, the way that you see your relationship with the person that you're dating, engaged, or married to, okay? Now, fun part, practical suggestions and etiquette. Um, there's going to be a lot of opinion and preference here, okay? So, um, you are free to do as you wish with this next section, okay? I'm going to try and teach you some principles with it, uh, but they don't carry the same weight as Scripture. Okay. Um, I might go a little rapid fire on this, but it's only because it's really, yeah, because it's not as important as the Scriptures, okay? Now, who should do the asking when it comes to first dates, right? Practical suggestions and etiquette. Who should do the asking when it comes to first dates? I agree with Pastor Ray that it's okay for a girl to ask a guy to hang out for a first date, right? Especially since we've already established that a first date is about exploration. Right? It's okay. It isn't, now, the first date is supposed to be intentional, but it's also supposed to be a, a fun time of fellowship. Right? It doesn't need to be anything super formal, too. Or it could just be like, hey, would you like to get some coffee sometime? Right? Or, or, or some boba sometime? Right? And that's all it takes. Right? So could a sister do that? Yes. Is it comfortable for a sister to do that? Probably not. But, you know, if there's no other way that they can get your attention, maybe that's legitimate. Okay? So take that as you will. When it comes to providing clarity, though, okay, clarity for, for what the relationship might be, dudes, that's on you. Okay? That is on you completely. All right? Um, ideally, you take charge of the conversation on your own initiative. However, I also understand that some of you might need a little help, need a little dance. Me, me, okay? Um, and so you might need someone to help spark that conversation. Um, and, but then after that, you take charge of that conversation, okay? Now, when it comes to what a first date should look like, right, perhaps something that takes the pressure off, since we're talking about this in terms of fellowship anyway, uh, is just maybe just a quicker meetup. Right? Maybe a quicker meetup uh, during the day, right? Because Often the picture of a first date is like over dinner and perhaps there's a, a movie or, or something, right? Dinner and a movie, first date, right? However, for some people, right, because we've watched a lot of TV, we've watched a lot of movies, we're just like, ooh, I don't know if I like this person. Do I really want to go on dinner and, uh, dinner and a movie with this person, right? So, so that might be too much. Right? That might be too much. And so perhaps aiming for coffee or boba during the afternoon on a weekend, might be, a little e might be a little easier to agree to, right? So, and especially if you don't know each other well. Now, if you don't know each other at all, brothers, that is where you must take the initiative to try and get to know your sister in a genuine way, right? Don't just be one of those dudes who just like, who's like really good at texting or really good at, at, uh, at um, talking to someone through Messenger, but when you're in person, you're just kind of like, <gasps> there she is. I'm going to go talk to my friends now, right? Don't be that person. Don't be that person. Don't treat that person differently in person than you would online, okay? Try and genuinely get to know them. And not just, when's your birthday? What's your favorite color? What's your favorite thing to eat? No, get to know them. Be friends with them, okay? Don't just think, hey, you, I want to date you. Let's go, right? That almost never works. 
I don't know anybody whose story starts with, I like you, let's go on a date. Never, ever have I heard something that works, uh, ever heard of a relationship that works like that. Okay, so get to know each other genuinely. Now, whatever you choose to do, it's up to you. But daytime generally keeps the date a little lighter. Right? And then especially if you're meeting for coffee and boba, uh, what I was reminded of is it gives you the opportunity to meet there. You don't have to, uh, you don't have to um, necessarily carpool um, or even um, you don't have to hang, hang around for too long. You can be real short. Right? You know, if you're really uncomfortable, just hurry up, drink, get out of there. Right? <laughs> it could be that. Anyways, anyways. Um, all right, but that, that could help make it a little easier. Okay, when you're on a first date, it's important for both parties, both parties, men and women, to be polite towards one another and to treat each other with honor and respect. I've already mentioned that, but the reason why I bring it up is because practically speaking, we just want to make sure that we understand what that means specifically. Okay, ladies, even if it is your personal policy that you give a guy at least one date, that's cool. We appreciate that. But please make sure that you do have a good attitude uh, when you do do so. Not just like, okay, why are you here? What do you want? All right, cool, goodbye. All right, no! Like, if you're going to do that, just be, be gracious and be genuinely uh, interested in at least getting to know this person, okay? Um, and besides, you never know if this brother has done it before. Right? If they've never gone on a first date before, and they're completely lost and helpless or, you know, just nervous and falling all over themselves, be a little gracious. Give them a little bit of help. Give them a little bit of encouragement. Now, guys... Guys, please do your best to be polite in other ways. Now, I'm mostly singling out the guys here, but ladies, if what I say applies to you, own it, okay? But guys, if you do decide to carpool, you agree to carpool with the person that you're going out on a first date with, please get out of the car and open the door for your date and close the door for your date, okay, please do that. Please do that. I still do that for my wife. It's because I want to honor and respect her, okay? And the reason why I, I say that is just because it's just, it's just something nice to do, right? If you would, like, for instance, let's say, let's say you were given the responsibility to, uh, to give the president a ride. Would you say, there's, there's the door, Mr. President, get on in. Would you do that? No way. Right? Even limo drivers open the door for, the, for, for little snotty juniors and seniors going to prom. Right? We can do that for our dates. Okay? All right. So treat, treat her with honor. Okay? If, and also, also, if you're going to be driving, if you're going to be carpooling, I've become more convinced of this uh, over time. It's good for you to go to the door and ring the doorbell to let her know that you're there to pick her up and then to walk her to the car. Right? Don't just sit there and text her saying, I'm here, right? And then just wait for her while you're on your phone. Like, okay, what's the, what are the Giants doing? What are the Niners doing? What's Twitter say? All right, no, get up, show attention, pay attention, okay? I've become more convinced that that is, uh, that is an important thing to do to show honor and respect to your dates. However, if she's uncomfortable with that, she doesn't want her parents to know that, uh, that some dudes come, come calling, well, then you negotiate that. But Generally speaking, again, this is all my opinion, that would be something that would be nice. It's a nice gesture. It shows preference and honor. Now, other points of politeness to be mindful of. 
only if it's appropriate. Guys, when you get to coffee or whatever, right, pull out the chair for the girl too. Okay, pull out the chair for her so that she can sit down. And don't just go pull it out and then run away and wait for her to fall, okay? Pull it out gently and let her get, get you know, okay? All right, let her take her seat. If you're deciding to have a snack, okay? If you're deciding to have a snack while you're on a date, try not to talk with your mouth full of food. You laugh and you think, I don't need to say this, but I do because I've eaten with some of you. He who has near, let let him hear. All right. And if you're asked a question in the middle of chewing, you can politely cover your mouth with a napkin or your hand to answer the question. Or you can just like, oh, sorry, one moment. Okay, right? And don't make it weird by just being like, oh, oh. Right? Don't make it that weird. And also, 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 please chew with your mouth closed. Again, all preference. Right? But chew with your mouth closed because they ain't nothing more unattractive than food particles flying out as you're talking. When you're on a date, okay? Nothing, ain't nothing more unattractive. And you know I'm, I'm passionate about this because my grammar is going out the window, okay? Ain't nothing more disgusting than that, okay? And then also, you know, I know there are cultural standards too, but when it comes to slurping, I know it's polite in Asian cultures to slurp soup, but you ain't slurping soup, okay? You're drinking coffee, you're drinking boba, don't slurp. Unless you are on a cupping, on a coffee cupping uh, date because you're that much of a snob, there ain't supposed to be no slurping, okay? This is, a, you're dating in an American context. These things that are noisy are gross and not nice, okay? So anyways, again, preference, cultural standards, not necessarily scripture, not necessarily gospel, but it's polite, okay? If you have to sneeze or cough, please do not sneeze or cough into your hands. I shouldn't have to say this to you, but I do, okay? Do not sneeze into your... I tell you, and I kid you not, when I was in seminary, there were some dudes who would sneeze directly into their hands, and then they'd rub their hands and like, hey, how you doing? I was like, dude, wash your hands. You just sneezed. Right? Okay, never your hands. Into your elbow, please. Okay? If you have to burp, we all have gas, okay? But if you have to burp, please keep your mouth closed and then say, excuse me, after you burp. And there are some times that you might not be able to help it, but you can at least try to be a little discreet about it, okay? Don't just sit back and go, (laughs) Just like, another, please, right? Don't be Thor about this, okay? Even if you, like, covered your mouth and you did that, it's still disgusting. Don't do that, okay? Um, If you need to yawn, you can tell I'm going into the weeds here, okay? If you need to yawn, right, try to suppress it. Try to suppress it and keep your mouth closed. Because even if you're not on a date, when you yawn in front, in front of someone, what does that communicate? You're not interested. You're tired. You're getting bored. Right? It signals disrespect, a lack of interest. Right? And especially don't do this. No. 
Right? No one wants to see your tongue. You're not a lion on the Nature Channel, on National Geographic. You know, no one wants to see that, okay? Don't do that. Now, I understand that what I just said, all that I just said threatens to take over the entire sermon, and whatever you walk away with, that's all you're thinking about, okay? These are just some practical suggestions. The main thing is be godly, okay? And then this, this other stuff, it's, it's just helpful little tips, okay? This should not be the main point of the sermon, okay? Get that clear, <laughs> This is not the main point. And if you have questions as to what is polite, what is not polite, Google it. All right, that's enough on that. Now, for both parties, try and have a, at least a few questions that you would like to ask your date to get to know more about them. Open-ended questions are helpful, right, to get to know your date better and can give you a better chance to interact and to engage, right, to build off of conversation, to build a conversation off of. Even if you think that you understand what they've said or what they mean, it doesn't necessarily hurt to ask them about it. Um, if someone says, like, I like bike racing, don't think that you know just because you own a mountain bike. Right? Ask them about it. What, you know, what kind of racing do you do? What terrains? How did you get into it? Et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Um, ask them to elaborate. That can help. Right? And um, you know, maybe their life differences are different from yours, and you can just learn more about them just by not assuming that you know what they're talking about. Um, and as you're asking good questions and even as you're a answering questions, please be mindful of listening and listening well. James says in James 1.19, this you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Proverbs 10.19 says this, when, when there are many words, transgression is unavoidable, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Good listening shows respect and interest in the other person. And even if you're sure that you're not going to go on another date with this person, good listening at least treats them with respect. Okay. Now, related to that, related to good listening is be mindful of how much you're speaking. Okay. Even if you're nervous, sometimes talking too much, especially if it is about yourself, it can communicate a lack of interest in the other person or even give off the impression that you're self-absorbed. Okay, so as Christians, we want to be, make sure that we're mindful of the other person. Now, I'm sure that there are a bunch of other things that we could talk about in, in terms of first dates, uh, but one of the last practical applications um, that's different from what I've already told you that I want to cover is paying, the issue of paying for the first date or even subsequent, subsequent dates. Okay, call me old-fashioned, but men, I believe that the responsibility of paying for a first date and any subsequent dates should primarily fall on you. God's role for men in marriage is for men to lead their wives sacrificially. And we see that in Ephesians 5 when Paul tells husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Men, we are supposed to be servant leaders. You don't sit in your easy chair and say, where are my slippers and my Doritos and my Pepsi or my Coke Zero or whatever you drink? Right? You're not supposed to be the one being served. You are to be, you are to be the one who serves. Right? You're supposed to reflect Christ in that manner. Being willing to treat a sister with honor and to put her interests above your own, and especially your own financial interests, uh, even if a second date is not guaranteed, it's just kindness. It's just a gesture of sacrificial love for others. If we're willing to do this for our brothers who might be strapped for cash or even for just someone that we're trying to reach out to, why can't you also do that for a sister that you might be interested in dating and pursuing further? 
In Luke 6, 35, Jesus tells his disciples in the Beatitudes, you're supposed to love your enemies. You do good and lend, expecting nothing in, in return, and your reward will be great, and you'll be the sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. If that can apply to our enemies, should it not apply to the people that we're trying to get to know? Right? Generosity is uh, something that, that would be good uh, to show other people. Um, especially the person that you're trying to, trying to date. Your gen- generosity and sacrifice. Right? If a sister would like to kick in a little bit, she's like, hey, you know, I'm really grateful for the fact that you paid for dinner. Can I pay for boba or can I pray, pay for dessert? That's okay. Like, that's, all right. that's fine. But I would strongly encourage you to at least be willing to, be, to, to pay for everything. And this, of course, means that, guys, you have to be responsible. Right? You have to be responsible. You need to be wise for your own budget, right? understanding what you can and cannot spend. And choose dates accordingly. But it's still making sure that you honor the your, honor your date. Right? And so, you know, if you know that you want to be generous, you know you want to go to uh, a particular uh, restaurant, just budget for that. Right? And then cut off wherever you might need to in other areas. Okay? Um, and if you happen to be lucky and, and the person that you want to date loves McDonald's, then hey, whatever, right? That's fine. Dollar menu is all yours. Right? But... Um, or whatever, right? Um, but just, you know, just be willing to, to be sacrificial, right? And ladies, you just have to, you know, be, uh, be courteous and not take advantage. Um, and men, even if you have debt, or even if you carry debt, whether it's school loans, car loans, whatever, right, there are ways to budget around that, right? You know what your payments are, so adjust the areas of, of spending elsewhere so that you can take care of your debt, take care of your responsibility there, but also take care of of uh, take care of your date, okay? If you need more help understanding that, I'll be more than happy to help you. Okay, we're almost done. Sorry, going a little long here, right? But I want to emphasize one, I want to emphasize this one more time, okay? One more time so you understand how much I mean this, okay? Treat each other with honor and respect. Try to communicate as clearly as you can with one another. Uh, Know that, uh, men, know that a sister might need some time to think about whether she wants to continue to see you after the first date. Right? And that's okay. So perhaps it would be good for you to propose uh, a check-in time, right? Hey, is it okay if I text you in like three days to see where you're at, to see if you want to continue doing this, right? Or uh, if you need more time, that's cool too. Um, and that, that'd be helpful so that you're not just kind of keeping your sister uh, in the dark. Um, and, uh, you know, ladies, um, yeah, just try and be uh, communicative. Don't ghost each other, okay? Don't leave each other on red uh, or unread even. Right? Communicate and respect each other's times and feelings. If you're not interested in pursuing a relationship further, that's okay. But just be courageous. Be courteous and be gracious in how you tell the other person that you're not interested in pursuing further dates, okay? If you do end up declining further dates with the person uh, that you went on a first date with, please protect their honor and reputation. Or don't go telling other people how terrible the date was, or what off-putting behaviors that they've displayed. Treat your fellow brother or sister in a way that you wish to be treated and considered. Caveat. If a brother displays unsafe behavior that does not, and this is for the ladies, right? if a brother does not uh, display respectful behavior, he doesn't care about your purity, um, that is, of course, an exception to the rule. Okay, And you can... Uh, bring it up to the pastors. We'll go confront that guy. Okay, because 
it's not not appropriate to to try and take something that's not his or to try and devalue you and um, show you a lack of honor and consideration. So if a guy's not safe, let us know, right? and, and we'll we'll deal with that. Um, but if it's not something serious, you know, this guy, um, if this guy, I don't know, was digging in his ear or scratching his nose, picking his boogers or whatever, right? Just leave that part out when you talk about the day. Just go, oh, you know, it was okay. That's all I want to say about it, right? Just don't throw them under the bus. That's all I'm saying, okay? Um, if it's not something serious, don't throw the guy under the bus. Um, and same thing for the, for the guys. You know, the girls kind of grosses you out a little bit. Don't throw her under the bus. Just keep it to yourself, okay? All right. Now, we could go on much longer on this subject, but our time for this evening has mercifully come to a close. If you have further questions on these practical matters, I encourage you to write these questions down. Perhaps we'll have a Q&A at the end of this with uh, our pastors and, I don't know, a panel of other people, dating people, engaged people, single people, right? But anyways, as we talked about extensively this evening, our goal in first dates is to act in a Christian way towards one another. Really, that's what it boils down to, right? Be who you say you are towards each other. Act like Christians. Treat each other in the way that Christ wants us to treat each other. The same one another principles that apply to general Christian life apply to dating in first dates. Right? So strive to show Christ to one another. Now, the first date can be intimidating, but try and have some fun. Okay? Try and have some fun. And to show each other as much grace as you possibly can. Uh, even if you are graciously declining to go on further dates, or future dates, right? displaying Christ, the love of Christ to one another is always pleasing to the Lord. And at the end of the day, you know, we're still spiritual siblings. And that's what we want to do in our lives. right? We want to live a life that is pleasing to God, to glorify Him in all things. Right? And so I hope that was helpful in at least getting the conversation started when it comes to thinking about God-honoring first dates and maybe even future dates too. Um, let's see, for application... Some of the questions that we're going to ask, what I want you to consider. Right? When you consider asking someone out on a first date or even accepting an invitation on a first date, what are some important considerations for you? Right? Think about that. You know, what are those things that you are looking for? What do you want? And then also think about, does that square with what the scriptures, uh, what the principles of scriptures tell me to do? And then secondly, this is just something in general for us to consider good, healthy thing, right? Very neutral. How can we grow in healthy friendships with our spiritual siblings? And one time, some, someone from another church came up to me and said, what do you think about segregation? And I was like, excuse me? And they're like, yeah, what do you think about segregation? Like, you know, should, should guys ever talk to girls? And I was like, yes? Right? And so anyways, right? How can we grow in healthy friendships with our spiritual siblings? Okay? Two important things to think about. Um, sorry, I went super long. My bad. Uh, let's pray, and uh, we'll get to our, our discussion groups. Father, we're thankful for, uh, for this evening, for allowing for us to think about first dates uh, in a God-honoring way. And we are so grateful for the fact that the, the principles of scriptures don't leave us empty-handed. They don't leave us with nothing. And so we pray, Lord, that you would be honored and glorified as we think about how we can honor one another in a way that pleases Christ. Thank you for this time, Father. It's your sons, and we pray. Amen.